Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. This is David Dacker, your host. Today, it is uh, Saturday, March the 21st. And uh, it's been a hell of a week. This week, uh, we went from uh, taking some um, precautionary measures and um, some self-imposed rules as far as the restaurant industry, the restaurant and bar industry is concerned, and quickly moved into um, government-imposed uh, restrictions on um, on uh, dining and um, uh, congregating. So it's been a hell of a week. I'm sure that uh, everyone's been following. Uh, we have no other choice than to do so uh, because this is a, uh, a public health uh, emergency. So I'm going to take this episode and, and continue to talk about this. In, in the previous one, I had a few things to say about it. Um, I had already recorded the episode on Tuesday and man, things moved very quickly. And again, today, um, e- even uh, more so. So for one thing, I wanted to uh, explain to a few people that may still be skeptical about this uh, whole thing, uh, how it, it works out. And the thing is, is, you know, there's a there's communication uh, failure in how the words that are used to explain this are words that we use misuse on a regular basis. And that is, according to the, the scientists, is that uh, COVID-19 is transmits, um, infects. One person with COVID-19 will infect two to four people. Now, the way that this works is that um, though that number becomes exponential. We use the word exponential all the time by uh, to describe things that have fast growth. And just fast growth and exponential um, are not the same thing. Exponential is fast growth, but doesn't mean that fast growth is exponential. And I'll explain. If one person will infect two people, right? Now those two individuals can infect two other people. So now between the two of them, that's four, right? Now between the four of those, then that's 16. An exponential simply means that it's a, a number multiplied by itself. So the one, and then it goes to two, and then two goes to four, four goes to 16, 16 goes to 256, 256 goes to 65,000, and now you can imagine what the next number is. And so that is the danger for, of, this, uh, of this situation, because even if it sounds like it was a really, truly lower rate of people that are going to die you know, 1%, let's say less than 1%, right? If the entire population of the United States gets infected, um, you know, 1% of 320 million, it's a, it's a pretty big number. And so, I mean, it's a big enough number that if I was to say, hey, I'm going to give you 1% of 320 million dollars, you would take it. So it's a, it's a, it's a danger uh, whenever people take this lightly because it's a matter of you may get mild symptoms, but you don't know, and we don't know uh, as a collective, how the symptoms are going to affect each individual because 
within age groups and genders, there is a uh, different information coming out. In Italy, um, the mortality rate, meaning the people that die of it, are uh, you know, twice as many males as females. In um, South Korea, um, the people that actually die, it's again, it's about 54%, which is slightly more than, than half are males. Um, people less than 20 years old uh, get very severe um, uh, symptoms, uh, but I don't think they, they have reported any deaths uh, in, in that age group. But in each country is different because the demographic of each country is different. So if you have a very older population versus a much younger population or a population that is mostly females versus a population that is mostly males, all of that uh, accounts and it makes it very difficult for scientists to, to predict um, or actually, I should say, um, forecast what is likely to happen. And, and that in itself is good enough to make everyone nervous um, because you yourself don't know how this is going to affect you. And right now, for instance, in the entire nation, but at least I know for sure here in Houston, it's allergy season. And allergy season, allergies are an immune system reaction to something that it, it doesn't know what it is, is, you know. And this, if your immune system is compromised, then you're more than likely to be a high risk of uh, getting severely sick um, or, um, you know, dying from this. So that's the one thing. The other thing is, if those numbers get really high, and I'm sure you have heard this, hospitals have 200 beds that are in ICU, and let's say they have uh, 200 uh, respirators, well, if those numbers, those exponential numbers occur, then it makes things very, very difficult because on a daily basis, you're going to have more people than you have beds. And let's say if it takes 10 days for you to recover, right? And in one day you reach capacity. Well, the next day, the same amount of, or the twice as many people come in, right? So those people have to wait on the third day, twice as many as the previous day come in. So they have to wait and so on and so forth. So that is part of the danger. The people that have been recovering is because they've gotten the care that they need um, when they needed it. And that's pretty much on the early onset um, stages of this, which, you know, part of the, the information that they've been able to gather is that even people that don't get the health um, help that they need, Early on, um, even if they recover from it, they may have permanent damage to their respiratory system. So all of those are very good reasons for the, the new norm, which is social distancing, that we need to take into account. But then what does that lead us to? I mean, we work in an industry where, you know, uh, congregating is, is what we do. You know, we bring people together, uh, socializing, um, you know, a, a busy bar is a fun bar for the most part, right? A busy restaurant is, is it's, it's energetic. It's, you know, it's a fun place. Um, and right now that is pretty much zeroed out because uh, f 
for good reason, uh, the government has imposed those restrictions of um, of uh, having 10 people or less congregating, but no dining in restaurants or bars or anything like that. And now we run into two different problems, in, in my opinion, and in, in what I see. Uh, on the one hand, so now the government is doing what it's supposed to in order to keep people safe, which is uh, the social distancing and um, limiting the amount of congregating that people do. Right? And so, okay, that's good. So now what? So now restaurants and bars are doing delivery and to-go. Uh, is that your business model? Are you uh, Domino's or Papa John's or any of these places that are their business model is to-go? Now, even if you can adjust, I mean, how much of it can you do? And at that price point, depending on what your price point is, I mean, is that what people are going to want? Now, if people are out of work or the work is limited, and uh, are they going to be spending that kind of money? So these are the things that are, are take us to my next point, which is we have to, I think in the last uh, uh, podcast, I, I called a, a, to a stimulus to what the government needs to, government needs to do because it's one thing for the SBA to offer loans, you know, low interest loans, loans and all that. But I mean, you're taking on a loan. You're taking on more debt. And you're taking on more risk, right? Um, in a time of uncertainty, which is my other point. But first, this one. So taking out loans right now, it's, you know, it's, it's a risky, much riskier thing than, than you probably should want to do, right? And so the last show I called it a stimulus. Well, not really a stimulus because a stimulus is what um, we did the last time there was a financial crisis and that was meant to get people out there and spend money. And this is the opposite. This is actually a relief um, program that incentivizes people to stay home, to self-quarantine, to not congregate in large groups in order to minimize the spread of this disease. Um, and that right now, it's extremely important. Um, tax burdens that the restaurants and bars have on a monthly basis, uh, those need to change. Um, the, uh, there need to be, there needs to be, uh, grants, um, uh, for, for restaurants and bars, um, as well as individuals. I mean, is there's talk right now of this relief to, you know, sending a thousand, two thousand dollars to people for a, a, a short period of time. Um, and, and that, again, is to incentivize people to stay home. Uh, normally, these uh, viruses die down during the summer from information that they have from the 1918, uh, 1918 um, pandemic that uh, occurred from the Spanish flu, which is actually uh, came out of Kansas. And the reason why it was called the Spanish flu is because uh, the only during World War, War, World War One. The only newspapers that weren't censored were the Spanish newspapers. So they were the ones reporting it uh, while the rest of the world wasn't. So it was all the on the Spanish papers. So it got dubbed the uh, Spanish flu. Nothing to do with Spanish or Spain. Um, so anyhow, um, the information from there is that there was uh, a, 
a mild outbreak during the spring, died out during the summer, a very fatal outbreak during the fall, um, and then uh, another outbreak in the in the winter. Fairly moderate, and so you know it it, it takes about a, a a year to come with a uh, vaccine. So this you know the, the this is what we got ahead of us. I mean this is. You know, this is what we're more unlikely to go through. We're right now in the, obviously in the spring. Summer's coming soon. But there's also the amount of testing that we've done is not enough to actually tell us how bad it is here in the United States. And so while the t- testing is happening, while we self-quarantine, while we do the social distancing and isolation, all of these things, well, it, this takes time. So that's uh, the one thing we need to make sure that we keep pressure on the government to make sure that um, the the employees of the restaurant and bar industry uh, are taken care of and not just employees but also the bars themselves and the restaurants themselves I don't always agree with um, uh, Bobby Hugel's uh, view on things uh, here in Houston but I think that I definitely uh, agree with him and I'm in line with him with uh, his efforts currently which are um, to everyone in the restaurant and bar industry that works. And I said this before, is that you have to get involved. Um, This is your livelihood here. For people that love certain bars and and certain restaurants, do it because those things are going to disappear if you don't get involved and if it doesn't get, if those businesses don't get the relief that they're going to need because we have essentially been shut down. The to-go and, and the delivery, it, it's not, you know, it's 10, 15% of what, of what the uh, normal sales are. So not enough, okay? Um, so I'm much in line with him with that. Check out his social media. He has a, a template letter there that you can send to your senators, <clears throat> to your mayor, Um and so it's it, it, you, it this, this is going to take action from from your part. You, you're going to have to do something because this is a severe shock to the economy. And it, there are certain industries and sectors that are being hit much harder than others. Uh, we are one of them, right? Um, that's the my, my my one point. On my second point is that the thing about government having this. Um, taking these actions, well, I mean, there in the last few years have been a lot of distrust with uh, government, right? And without trust, well, I mean, they, they, that causes a lot of problems. And one of the problems is predictability. When you don't trust that these entities are going to do the thing that they're supposed to, it's just sort of a, if you don't trust your employer. I mean, you know, look at it that way. We, if they promise you something, you know, do you take it? Do you take that to the bank? You normally don't. You just say, okay, let's wait and see. This is not a wait and see moment because this is your family's uh, livelihood that's, uh, that's at stake here because it, this is affecting everyone. And as I mean, it's Sunday pretty much, you know, it's Saturday night, S- Sunday is coming up. Um, was this your normal Saturday night or Friday night? Is this what you normally do on a Friday or Saturday night, what you just did this weekend? 
you know, and so, you know, more than likely the answer is no, because usually you're at work. Usually you're around a bunch of people. And that's not what we've been doing this week. And so this is, you know, several weeks, several months of this. Just imagine you're going to you're going to go through your savings. You're going to go through whatever money, if you have any uh, savings. Um, And uh, that's important. So that trust that we're supposed to have in the entities, uh, government and business business right now, it's it's they're taking a hit. And, you know, we're taking a hit in this and government needs to do what it's supposed to do, which is, you know, stabilize situations like this. And so you have to contact your your mayor, your governor, your senators, uh, put pressure on them, let them know what it is that that you want. And one point that I, again, uh, agree with Bobby Hugo, and I'll post the links to a lot of this stuff um, uh, on the comments, but in uh, an interview with uh, M by magazine is that, you know, he says that the, the restaurant and bar industry has been very bad at, at communicating the needs of the industry. And I believe that that is true. Um, it, it's uh, very much a, you know, take care of yourself type of business. And so in these situations, we tend to um, be a bit confused and, and out of the water um, when it comes to uniting into a single voice of, you know, the numbers is what, 12 million people in the United States, uh, thereabouts are in the hospitality industry. So whether you're in a bar, restaurant, a hotel, um, you need to get involved. And so that lack of trust makes a big difference in this situation. Um, and we're going to have to, uh, put pressure in the government to do the right thing. And that way we, we start to have um, set some expectations and therefore predictability in what the future holds for us. And that's another reason why I, I, I lay out for anyone that is not familiar with the uh, Spanish flu or what that happened, that influenza back in 1918. It was in the spring, flattened out in the, in the, uh, in the summer. Uh, for whatever reason... Um, you know, and it could be that people just get too comfortable sometimes. I think the most fatal part of it was in the in the fall. Um, and then it lowers again, and then it hits again in the wintertime. So um, that is your predictability, that you, you can expect that to happen. So even though things might seem to get to normal in the summertime, when it comes to fall and the temperatures start to drop again, you need to be aware that uh, you're going to have to take some measures. And I'm saying this to individuals and, and businesses um, because the pressure that you're going to have to put on your on your local, state, and uh, federal government is that this is a one-year um, event, you know, potentially, unless there's a vaccine that comes out in the next couple of months. And then that's different, right? Because uh, things were different. As far as uh, how fast uh, some things happened, um, you know, 100 years ago. But nature is nature. Um, you know, if uh, this thing uh, mutates after we have a vaccine or ha- even if we try to do a half-ass vaccine because it's, you know, whether it's a, a malaria or, you know, any other type of 
medicine that we try to apply it to this, uh, if it works when it's already, you know, dying out because it's summertime, that might bring a false sense of, um, of, uh, you know, a false sense of security that uh, could, you know, pretty much bite us in the ass uh, later on in the fall and in the wintertime. So, you know, these are the things that you need to, to at least consider, right, in uh, preparing and in putting pressure to the the government um, to make sure that the relief that is adequate to the situation occurs. So, also, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that um, there, the USBG uh, Foundation, um, nonprofit for uh, emergency foundation, um, has had a lot of uh, donations from uh, large uh, companies. Uh, uh, Molson uh, Coors, uh, I think, donated a million dollars. Uh, so did uh, Southern Glaciers and I think uh, Will and Grant maybe um, and uh, Diageo uh, as well. Um, so, you know, these donations are, you know, you need to apply to that. Again, I'll put the links in the comments um, in order to get some relief money because, you know, right now, if you're not going to work, uh, you're probably getting some much needed rest, which is great. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you're catching up on your favorite uh uh, TV series, but also zero income, you know, that's very difficult. So apply to these different, uh, foundations, because even if they give you $200, $300, you know, a couple of different, one of them, that's enough to keep things going. Uh, now we also hope, and the other part is that the, uh, um, housing department needs to do something about, uh, people paying their rent. Cause you know, may not be able to pay your rent next next month and uh they need to do something about uh landlords being able to evict people during this time there's the last thing we need is more homeless people um during a, a pandemic uh breakout and and so you know these are the things you need to consider these are these are realities right now um i don't know if you've been out or walked out your house and looked at the streets i mean this is this is very weird. And this is just the first week. I mean, I'm as optimistic as, as I can be. And I was, I was like, man, I'm hoping that in a couple of weeks, this uh, will, you know, settle down and, and whatnot, you know, become, we'll get a little bit of normal. And we might because temperatures are changing. But then just today we had, I think it was, you know, 50 degree weather, 55 degree weather. Um, and we're going into allergy season and, um, you know, just a lot of bullshit. Also, uh, like I said, M by magazine's got a couple of really good articles. I'll put links uh, to that. Uh, Andrew Yang, who ran for, uh, president, um, dropped out. He always had a good argument about, uh, UBI universal basic income. And, um, you know, uh, he now, um, he, you know, his idea was to give every American a thousand dollars a month, um, <clears throat> because that would actually, um, make people spend. And so it would just go right back to the economy, but, you know, it would be, you know, changing a mattress, you know, that sometimes you can't do, or getting four new tires on your car. You know, the way he, he, his thought was, is like, if, if you 
put this money in people's pocket, they're going to more than likely use it for things that are uh, necessary. Even for the people that use it for things that aren't necessary, it goes back into the economy. It's the velocity of money. And whoever receives that $1,000, you know, a business, that is going to go to uh, employee wages and that's going to go into uh, more investment into the community. So he has the Humanity uh, Forward Foundation. uh, And uh, if... You're listening to this in New York in particular. They're going to be focusing on the Bronx. Uh, MoveHumanityForward.com is his website. You can go on there and they have, uh, uh, he has a a foundation also. And they have uh, a million dollars that they're going to be giving away to uh, people in that area uh, in particular. So there is some help right now. And these are private entities doing the private, I mean, they're they're nonprofit uh, organizations um, but what we need is the government intervention uh, of relief is if corporations can get, you know, billions of dollars into their pockets uh, whenever they fuck up. Um, it is only fitting that when we don't fuck up, you know, because this is not anything that any of us did. Um, the government needs to step in and, and do the right thing and um, make sure that the citizens are uh, and the people in the in the United States are taken care of, uh, at least given a bit of a lifeboat until we're able to get back to a certain level of normal normalcy. Which the new normal might be completely different because there's going to be businesses that are not going to make it through this. I think that's, we all know, I, I don't know if we all have accepted that yet, but you know, the landscape, d- depending on how long this, this goes on for and depending on how government reacts, um, this is going to change the, uh, the the bar and restaurant industry, the entire landscape. Large corporations are going to be able to survive. The small, you know, privately owned restaurants and bars may not be able to. So we'll see. Don't know. Um, and that's kind of part of the problem, right? We're not sure what the future holds. And it's, um, yeah. So one last thing is, uh, if you have, you have a lot of time right now and, uh, after you catch up of, on your favorite show, um, you know, hit up a couple of books. This is plenty of good reading out there. Um, in particular when it comes to, um, bartending and the, uh, whether you're, looking at the history uh, of bartending in books like Imbibe or Punch by uh, Dave Wondrich, or um, you're looking at uh, um, methods uh, like in the bar book or technique, um, like in uh, uh, Death & Co. um, or Jim Meehan's uh, Bartender's Book or or the the Codex. you know, pick up a book and uh, learn a little something new. In mine, in particular, I like to hit up the uh, the old recipes. Um, and I went back to the 20th century cocktail, which I've been playing around with for a while now. Um, and that is, is, some may say, a variation on the uh, Corpse Reviver. Gin, Lillet lemon juice and then instead of the orange liqueur that you get in the course reviver 
you're going with creme de cacao. But that is a, that is a, a pretty severe uh, deviation um, to what the flavors of Lillet and orange liqueur do with the lemon juice and gin. Um, if you really want to take it a little bit into a deeper, richer uh, uh, flavor profile, instead of the Lillet, do the um, Grand Classico uh, from Tempest Fuji. Uh, that's going to give it a little bit, it's going to play with the, uh, creme de cacao a little bit better and it's going to deepen the flavor and richen it and, and, um, give it a little bit more harmony. Um, but that is it for today. Um, normally this is, uh, you know, interview bartender type of, uh, podcast, but in, in reality, this is a, a conversation in beverage. Uh, for beverage professionals. And right now, this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a severe shock to the economy of our of our country, of, of the world, but in particular, severe shock into the economy of our industry. And right now, the most important thing that we can do is act. You have to do something. This is important. And all it takes is, you know, 10, 15, 30 minutes of your day, you know, you got plenty of time right now. Even if it take a couple, it takes a couple of hours of your day. This is extremely important. So, check out the links um, on the on the comments. Uh, contact me. I'm on social media as uh, David Thackeray uh, on Instagram, as well as uh, you can look up Lockwood Station. You can check out the the bar, Lockwood Station, uh, what I've done so far on uh, LockwoodSTN.com. Uh, um, you can also, uh, again, find me on Instagram, David underscore Daiquiri. Um, but I'll put the, the link on the, uh, on the comments also. Remember, this is a fact, not an opinion. The world needs more good people, so take care of yourself, take care of each other, and keep the conversation going.